Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Oh, hey, happy Mother's Day. Actually, um, even if you're not yet a mum or maybe even if... Mother's Day is even somewhat difficult for you just because of a whole bunch of reasons. We hope and pray that you're going to have a blessed Mother's Day. And man, I'm so glad that you're here in church with us today for every single one of you that's in the room and also tuning in online. And I think that what I'm going to actually speak on today is going to help some of you mums out because I don't know what it's like in your house, but there is this common phrase that, I mean, we have three kids and my wife, Emma, she lives with another kid, which is me, really. And I think that actually one of the most common phrases that we have heard over the years, literally, whether it's spoken to our kids or whether it's spoken to me, it makes no difference at all. It's Emma literally saying to us, can you guys not just grow up a little bit? Like any of you mums ever said that? To your husbands, come on, I know you have. Like, seriously, (laughs) you thought that was a great idea? When are you going to grow up? And I'm like, maybe when I'm 50, I'll think about it, you know. But will you just grow up? Well, the good news is, hey, mums of the house, I'm going to talk to you about a message today that's really not solely just for your children, but it will help us all grow up just a little bit. I think that actually what I want to try and do today as we continue in our series called Unfinished is start to really just explore the idea about how we don't want your attendance at church and your Christian faith life to start and then stop immediately as you walk into and walk out of church. Because I promise you guys, there is so much more for you in terms of your relationship with God that is completely available and completely accessible, but sometimes we just don't know how to go about accessing it. So today I want to make it really clear how you can end up not living your Christian life feeling as though this is just unfinished. You know, like some of you guys, maybe, and you girls too, you're great at starting things, but not finishing things. You know, like some of you have got rooms that are just half decorated in your house because they've not quite been finished yet. Well, some of us do our Christian faith in exactly the same way. It's like we start out with all of these great intentions, and yet it ends up feeling like we've just not finished the thing off. We can almost live with this sense of avoiding our heart feeling like, I know there's something more out there, I just don't know how to get into it. Well, today, we're going to talk to you about how you can literally flourish in your Christian faith. You know, there's a place in the United States of America, and it's actually called Death Valley. This is a picture of it right here. Death Valley is literally one of the hottest places in all of the USA, and it's one of the driest. What's interesting about Hot Valley is that nothing, uh, Death Valley, sorry, is that nothing really good happens there. Nothing grows there. There are no animals, there is no agriculture, there is no farming, there are no towns and villages. I mean, in Death Valley, nothing grows, ever. 
Except in 2004, they experienced a one-off occurrence whereby over a short period of time, they had seven inches of rainfall. Now, what that meant was that by the spring of 2005, Death Valley, where there's no animals, there's no agriculture, nothing grows in Death Valley. By spring 2005, Death Valley started to look like this. I mean, it was just flourishing. It was what scientists would call a super bloom. And I think that what they found out about Death Valley is simply this. Death Valley wasn't dead. It was just dormant. It had seeds within it all along and all the time. It just needed a slightly different environment for it to experience life and for it to start to super bloom. And I think that right there is a picture of some of our lives. You feel like your land is dry and dead and dormant, but actually the reality of it is, is if you just move and change environments, something great can happen in your your life. Something great can happen in your relationship with God. And that's really what I want to start to talk to you about today. Because I think that Scripture is quite clear. There is a process that you can go on, and the Scriptures make this clear in so many different places, but there is a process that you can go on that actually develops your Christian faith and actually ends up with you living in closer proximity to God. In other words, there's more for you that's out there in terms of your relationship with your Heavenly Father. There's more that's available. And Scripture talks about many ways that you can actually get a hold of this, but I think that if you read the Scriptures, and I've read the Bible now several times from cover to cover, what you find is between the front page and the back page, there are these four principles that are like recurring themes that continually come up. Now, in different places and at different times, there may be different language that's used to describe these themes, but nevertheless, there seems to be this concurrent idea of there being these four spiritual principles or spiritual themes that if you just follow them, you will end up with a better, closer relationship with your Father in heaven. Now, that goes against what we often want because what we really want is not a process. We want an event. We want like a prayer. We want like, give me the instant fix for what I'm dealing and wrestling with right now. But the scriptures don't really work through an event. They work through a process. And the process is often referred to as the path. And I think that my goal today is to try and get you onto the path if you are not already on the path or if you are on the path, maybe you're at process one on the path or step one of these four processes. Then I wanna try and move you from step one to step two. Or if you find yourself as we talk through today's talk that you're already on step two, well, I wanna move you forward from two to three. I want to get you on the path if you're not on it. And if you're already on it, I want to help us all move forward together. But in essence, these four principles, these four ideas, I think are spoken about most concisely by the Apostle Paul when he was writing a letter to the church in Ephesus, which is modern day Turkey. And he kind of writes about these four spiritual steps, these ideas that he wants for them. And I think these same spiritual ideas that he wanted for them is what he wants for us also. So let's jump into Ephesians 1. We're going to read verses 16 through to 18. 
Paul writes, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That you may know him better. Now, what you've got to understand is I am very reluctant about doing what I'm about to, and I'm going to try and give you some of the reasoning why. Oftentimes, when you'll hear preachers do what I'm doing now, preaching, they love all the time to like jump back and forth between the English translation of the Bible, and they like to reference it against the Greek, the Aramaic, the Hebrew, and sometimes it makes people sound way more intelligent than they really are. But I sometimes feel that there can be a problem with doing that, and that is that by continually referencing other translations or the text that it was originally written down in, it could potentially encourage you to not have complete confidence in the Word of God. So on a whole, I try not to do that. But today, I'm going to make a slight exception. Because that phrase that Paul writes when he says, I want you to know him better, that word know was originally written in the Greek, and it's a word called gnosko. And that word know, it just has slightly different connotations to it than what we think about when we think about the idea of knowing someone. I've got people that live on the opposite side of the road to me, and I know them. I know that they live in their house. I know them by their first name, but that's all I know. What Paul was saying here when he was saying, I pray that you would know him, he wasn't meaning that you would know God like you would know a neighbour. The word gnosko, gnosko, that you would know him in a gnosko way, what it actually means is that you would know God intimately, like in a real, tangible, authentic way, like as close as it's possible for man to know God, he would want you to know God that much, like as much as you could possibly ever get to know God. All the details about him that are contained within his word That's what he would want for you. Not just like a flippant observational wave across the path. His prayer is that you would gnosko God. You would know him to the fullest. And I know that some of the people that were reading this text at the time would have probably said, oh wow, I didn't even know that you could know God at all, let alone gnosko God. And some of you might be feeling that right now in church. Maybe you've been brought here by a friend and you're here on an invite because it's Mother's Day. But however you've come to be in church today, I want you to know this. If you're sat there right now going, I don't know God. I didn't know that that was an option for me. Then at the end of this service today, I'm going to make it really crystal clear for exactly how you can gnosko God, how you can know God in a real and intimate and authentic way. But it isn't just that Paul wanted them to know God. He wanted something else for them too. He writes this in the next verse. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now, when I read this text, I was literally wanting to write a letter back to Paul and say, Paul, you've got your anatomy wrong because my eyes are not in my heart, they're in my head. I wanted to contest to Paul and say, surely you've got the language wrong here. But I think that Paul would have said to us, no, you're the one that's got it completely wrong because your eyes do, your heart does have a set of eyes. In fact, 
the way in which you view the world around you, the way in which you view God, it's all looked at through the filter of your heart. In other words, all of your previous past experiences for good and for bad can positively or detrimentally affect the way that you see the world. For example, if you've had a bunch of bad experiences in your life, like maybe you've been treated really badly by another church and they said things that were just unkind and uncruel and now you wrestle with how they've behaved towards you and what the scriptures teach and you're like, there's nothing Christian about that and it's hurt you, that affects the way you see your relationship with God. Or maybe if you've gone through a really difficult traumatic season relationally with your husband and your spouse, or your spouse, or your wife, and there was just like a breakdown, and there was a divorce, and there was a separation. And man, that isn't what you wanted. That isn't what you were hoping for, but that's how it ended up going. And now that that you're carrying in your heart becomes the filter through which you see your life. It's the filter through which you see God. And really, Paul was saying, I want you to be able to look through the eyes of your heart in an enlightened way. In other words, He's kind of saying this, not only do I want you to know God, but I want you to find freedom from everything in your past that is the filter in your heart that affects how you see God and affects how you see life. He was literally saying, this is what I want for you, that you would find freedom and not be held back in your relationship with your father. And being being able to find freedom is not always about having what's happened in your past erased from you. Sometimes I see it like this. I pray that it becomes like a smudge on your glasses. You know, if you've ever had sunglasses on that have got a bit of a smudge. I think that that's what Paul was saying. It's not that you would forget it completely, but it's just that you wouldn't be overwhelmed by it and it wouldn't detrimentally affect your outlook in your relationship with God. But he goes on in the text and he says this, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So he wants you to find God, find freedom, but then he wants you to discover your purpose. He wants you to know that you have been called by God. And God is calling out to many of you even right now, even today. In fact, I know that that language can sometimes come across as being the kind of talk you would expect to go to a pastor. You know, maybe a pastor or a leader of a church is called by God, but being called by God wouldn't be for me. Well, actually, no. Paul was saying, I want you to know that you are called by God. I think that Mark Twain puts it brilliantly when he says this, Not only is he implying that there is a reason why you were born, there's a reason why you're on the planet, but he says this, the two best days of your life are the days that you were born and then the day that you discover why you were born. He was saying the same thing as Paul, that you would know that you are called by God because 87% of Christians people that have prayed a prayer to God and maybe come to church every now and then, maybe would tick a box that says, I'm a Christian. 87% of them don't know that they are called. And when you live a life not knowing that you're called, you're living your Christian life in a way that is clearly unfinished. Like there's more that God has in store for you and it's available. So to what is Paul referring to that we are all called? He tells us, 
the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now look, I want you to know something, okay? God wants to make you rich, but whatever you do, don't think that that's about money because it's not what Paul is referring to. Paul is saying that he wants you to be rich in terms of an inheritance that's available for God's people. Now, if you're thinking right now, well, what is that inheritance that Paul's referring to? Well, in Psalm chapter two, it puts it like this. He says that, ask of me and I will make people your inheritance. In other words, the scriptures are saying the greatest inheritance that you can ever receive is a knowing that people's lives have been affected and positively impacted as a result of you. That's the greatest thing you can ever experience. In fact, scientists have proved this too, haven't they? I mean, people think that the happiest people on the planet are the wealthiest. Well, actually, that's completely not true. It's just not accurate. The happiest people on earth are not people that have less problems. It's the people who live life in such a way that leaves them knowing that they are impacting the lives of others for good. They're the people that end up being the happiest. Like you can live a life full of problems, but you sleep well at night knowing that your life counts, that your life makes a difference that somebody else is benefiting because you're on the planet. That's the inheritance that we're speaking about. So today, it's my job to just try and nudge you forward on one of these four principles that we're about to speak to. It's my job to get you on the path if you're not yet on the path. So I'm gonna give you four real simple practical steps And I hope that you can find out where you're at and together we all move forward. So the first thing that I want you to think about doing this season of your life is knowing that it's time to get closer to God. And what I mean by that is not just attend church. It's not just living your Christian life in such a way that's gonna get you a tick in the box, but it's time to get closer to God. In fact, I would put it like this. I would say for some of you literally today, you need to make a decision that for the next 12 months, you are going to go all in on your relationship with God and all in with your local church. And if that's here at Liverpool One, I'm going to give you some steps for how you can do it. But I don't want you to sit on the fence or on the peripheral of church life because that's not going to help your relationship with God. What I want for you to do is to choose to get closer to God in this season. And I think that maybe what that will look like for each and every one of us might be slightly different. But honestly, I'm saying for the next 12 months, get involved in everything. Make church a regular routine for you and your family. Get the teenagers out of bed and bring them to youth. They get free breakfast. I want to be in the youth just because we get free Greg's breakfast. But I'm saying commit big, be it everything you can get to. Turn up at a volunteer night at the next one that we're going to have. Sign up and be involved in a life group. Get serving on a team. Make sure you get your ticket and be involved in conference in May. Like do absolutely everything and go all in for God. Because here's what I 
think if at the end of the 12 months, if your life is not substantially better, then I'll make a deal with you. If you do 12 months of going all in for God and at the end of the 12, you're like, man, my life still sucks, then I'll find a new church with you, okay? That's the deal because I want you to get closer to God. And there's many different ways that this can outwork. For some of you, getting closer to God today starts with just for the very first time, lifting your hands in worship. And if you've ever wondered what's everybody else doing, it's because when you lift your hands in worship, it's a sign of complete surrender to God. And it's you voicing to Him deep to deep, like, God, I am all in. I am all yours. And I am wholly available. But you need to find out what's the next thing you need to do to get closer to God. Because here's the bad news. And there is some bad news if you are a Christian today. There is a misconception that exists in the church. There's a misconception that even I used to believe, but now having studied and interrogated the Scriptures, I know that this isn't accurate at all. I used to think that you could just come to church every once in a while and that's like good enough to build a life-giving relationship with God. Like that's good enough to get me into heaven. But when you read the scriptures, Jesus doesn't say that at all. Check this out. In Matthew 7, 21, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Now <laughs> listen, that goes against what my plan used to be. My plan used to be, hey, I'll turn up at church every once in a while and let God see that I'm here. Hey, listen, even Jesus was saying, that's not what it's about. And after he says that, he goes on and he lists all of these religious acts and activities that he goes on to say, people think that by doing this stuff, this gets you into heaven, this gets you close to me. Jesus was like, that isn't how it works at all. And in that line, in verse 23, and this is the connection that I want you to see, when he says that I'll say to those people that think that they're in, but actually they're not, I never knew you. He was saying, I never gnosko knew you. I didn't know you in that intimate, authentic and real way. It's the same word in the Greek. So Jesus was saying, if, if you're just in church, but I don't know you, you're missing out on what God has for you. Now, again, if you're worried and you're thinking, well, I don't know if I gnosko God, then at the end of church today, I'm going to make it really clear about how you get on the path and you start your journey of getting closer to God. But there are many of you in church and you kind of feel like your Christian life has just got a little bit stuck. It's not like you're just attending every now and then. It's more for you like there's a bit more in there than that, but you just feel like your Christian walk has kind of dried up. You've just kind of lost your way. You've lost your passion. You've lost the fuel in the tank and you just don't know how to get it back. And oftentimes that's happened because you've got issues. Like you've got stuff going on in your life, you've got stuff going on at home, stuff's happening with the family and it's knocking you off track and it's making you take all of these detours, right? Well, I want you to know that actually, if you've got issues, never consider that as a reason to not be able to gnosko God. Because actually knowing God in a real and authentic way, I think having issues is a prerequisite. We've all got issues. You've got issues. I've got issues. My issues and challenges aren't yours and yours aren't mine. But even Paul had issues. And the bottom line is that we just don't want you to think that because of your issues, that's a reason to stay distant from God because it's not. 
Because you've got to understand that the, the first part is knowing God, but the second part is finding freedom, which really is being able to live life knowing that you've got issues, but they're not going to stop you from helping people or moving closer towards God or His heart towards you. And what you've got to know about finding freedom is this. Well, it doesn't come as a result of a prayer. Now, you get saved and you start your journey to gnosko God, to know God through a prayer. But you don't find freedom through a prayer. In fact, this is how the Scriptures put it in just a moment. But let me give you the second step that you've got to look at implementing in your Christian life. If the first is to get closer to God, then the second is to get honest with a friend. Now, for some of you, it's time to get real and authentic with some Christ-honouring people in your life. People who you know, people who you can trust, or even new people to your world that you want to get real and authentic with. The kind of people that you can really take your mask off and let them see your issues and share in your struggles and share in your pain. But there's a really specific reason why I think that we need to do this. And I'm not going to lie, when I'm about to tell you the reason why, some of you would have preferred that the prayer to God would have just been a better option, because it sure would have been an easier option. But James, the brother of Jesus, when talking about finding freedom, when talking about the enlightening of the eyes in your heart, so that through the filter by which you look at God is not um, is not badly affected by your past and your issues and your problems, James writes this. He says in James 5, 16, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. In other words, forgiveness comes from God, but your healing doesn't. Forgiveness comes from God, but your healing from your past issues, your past mistakes, your past failures, that doesn't come as a result of a prayer from God at all. In fact, James is saying that comes from the people of God. You go to God for forgiveness, but you go to a trusted friend for healing. And that's the reason why many of you will live life dealing with the same old habits and addictions and battles. It's because you're praying to God about them, but you're never taking your mask off with anybody else about them. And you've got to know that freedom, finding freedom, finding healing from whatever it is that holds you back, from the addiction, the habit, the stuff you look at, the places you go, the stuff that happens in secret. Poor James is like, yeah, that doesn't happen from God. That happens by being in an honest and real community with God's people. And for some of you macho men right now, I know this is a problem. I know that this is almost a deal breaker because you're like, dude, you serious? I ain't telling nobody my stuff. Truth is, I'm the same as you. But what I can say from my own life's experience of following Jesus now for decades is there have been times and seasons where I have like three or four guys, trusted friends in my world, that when I feel like my world is breaking, when I've got issues that I can go to and say, hey, listen, I'm not in a great place right now. And do you know what I find? I find that literally having those people in my world is probably the reason why I'm still here doing what I'm doing today. Because I understand you find freedom the moment there are people that you take the mask off 
with. And hey, if you're maybe in church right now thinking like, this is a bit deep, I didn't really want to come to church. Can I just say like this? All I'm wanting to do today is this, say, church, come on, like, let's go. Let's get on the path if you're not already on it. Or if you're close to God, but you're not being real with people, let's move you to to stage two, because this is what I want. I don't want us to still be here in 12 months time from now dealing with the same stuff. I don't want you to be still struggling and addicted and have habitual problems with stuff that you've been battling with for years in 12 months time, because there's an answer, there's a fix. And if you go, we can all go, we can all move forward together. The third step to ensure that you don't end up living an unfulfilled Christian journey would be to know that it's time to discover your real purpose. And the reason why I say real is because every single one of us is living out a purpose, but it might not be your real person, your real purpose, why God has put you on the planet. You're living a purpose, sure, you've got a schedule, you've got meetings you need to be at, you've got employment that you need to keep, you've got a family that you've got to take care of and you're up every day and you're doing the thing to the best of your ability but you go to bed at the stillness of the night, you're kind of like, it just doesn't feel like this is everything that the planet's got to offer me and the truth is, it's not because you might be living out a purpose but God has a real purpose for you and actually your purpose is not really determined by a whole bunch of things that we think it is. For some of you, you know the frustration of you've got the best job, you're earning the best money, you drive the best car, and your life should be complete. And yet, it feels like there's a great big hole in it. Why? Because you're living out a purpose, but it's just not your real purpose. Psalm 139 says this, that all the days of your life were written in his book before even one of them came to be. Right now, you're probably asking the same question that I would ask. I would say, so hang on a second. Are you telling me that all of the crazy and the bad stuff that's happened in my life has all happened because God's made this happen to me? No, because you've become finally aware of how to write your own verses and chapters in your own story in life. And you know that you've made some errors and some mistakes. You know that you've got some stuff that's detrimental to you living life in close proximity to God. But here's the bottom line. What you've got to know is that our God specialises in making the story all fit towards the end of the book. You might have been right in the middle section and doing your own thing all by yourself, but he has this supernatural, unique way of knitting the whole thing together that when you approach the latter stages of the chapters in the book, it just seems to feel like God's touched it and it now works. Romans 12, verse six. In fact, let me say this. For some of you that do maybe feel like you've gone on a bit of a divert, I think that in your Christian faith, it can kind of look like this sometimes. If we were to all say together, at the end of church today, we're gonna drive from Liverpool and we're gonna go to Manchester. We all know that we can get to Manchester in like 40 minutes. Um, It doesn't take that long. There's a pretty direct route. But if you wanted to, you could go to Manchester via London. I wouldn't advise it. I wouldn't recommend it. It's going to take you a heck of a long time to get to Manchester via London. But it is a direct, it's just a redirect and you can still get there. And I think that that's a picture of what our life looks like sometimes. We might not get to where we want to get to in the time frame that we are because of the choices that we've made, because of the chapters of the book that we've made ourselves. but you can still get to Manchester. You can still experience a close 
gnosko knowing of God and find freedom. In fact, Romans 12 verse 6 puts it like this. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. In other words, it means this. There are certain things that God has uniquely put inside of you that you were born to do. Like when you do that, you're just gifted in it. When you do that, it feels to you like you're in the bullseye of God's will. And it doesn't mean that you don't have any problems anymore. It just means that you've got a new focus and your focus is the purpose that God's given you. So your problems don't bother you as much as they used to. You don't feel overwhelmed and tired and downcast anymore because you've got a purpose that you understand that God has put you on the planet for. And I just think that sometimes we've got to understand that We've all got to find our own purpose in God. We've all got to be willing to discover the reason why God has put us on the planet. And then that would lead us to our fourth spiritual step, which is this. It's time to do something greater than yourself. This is the moment when you realise actually This is an invitation to not just be an attender or a consumer, even at a local church like we are doing today at Liverpool One. This is an invitation to get involved in what God is doing, not only on the planet, but right here in Liverpool. It's an invitation to understand that if God has uniquely given you a gift, that when you bring that gift to the table, people around you benefit, then you should be willing to share that gift, even with your local church because you get to play a part of helping other people's lives. And that's the inheritance, right, that we've spoken about already. So if you've got a gift, I mean, maybe maybe you're a musician in the house, you should be willing to share your gift. Maybe you've got an aptitude to learn how to mix sound or be involved in all of our broadcast suites and facilities. You should volunteer to get involved. Maybe you've got a gift of hospitality on your life and you're just brilliant at welcoming people into your own home, well, why not outwork that in your local church and choose to get involved because you have a gift? And let me put it like this. It's not that we need you because you're probably looking around thinking, man, it seems to me like they've got it well covered. The bands seem all right. You've got some great welcome people out in the foyer. Hey, the truth is we have got it really well covered. Every single service we do, it takes us sometimes 70, 80 volunteers just to pull this thing together and we've got it well covered. But it would be better if you were with us. We would be stronger if you became a part of what God is doing here too. And I'm not asking you to do that because we need you. I'm asking you to do it because you need it. Let me show you why. And these are the words of Jesus. These are the red texts that we say if we follow Christ that we live our life by. Jesus says, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He's saying this, guys, if you wanna show yourself to be my disciple, that is not displayed by sitting and consuming. It's an active idea. This is about contribution. This is about aligning your life with what God is doing in the world through the format now of a local church. But check out what comes next. He says, I've told you this so that, and what he says is not what I was expecting. I was expecting that Jesus would have like a a hidden motivation to encourage you to get involved in the church so that heaven would become more crowded, but it's not what he says. Or so that the local church would grow and flourish, but it's not what he says. Jesus goes on to say this, I've told you this so that 
my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He was saying this, guys, joy comes from doing. Joy comes not from sitting. Joy, that deep rooted sense of knowing that I'm happy with the contribution that I'm making on the planet. It comes as a result of when you choose to volunteer and serve and hey, let's have the honest convo right now. I know that this is countercultural. I completely understand that because we're living in an age now where everyone wants to talk about, oh, I'm just burnt out. I'm just overwhelmed. I've just got to get my work life, home life, church life balance in, in sync again. Everything's out of whack. But you know what I've found, honestly? That's not what Jesus says. In fact, it's not what Jesus says at all. And what we often make the mistake of doing is we look at our life and now we're feeling overwhelmed. We blame it on the church or the fact that we volunteer for a couple of hours on a Sunday or we turn up on a Wednesday with our production and worship teams and give time and we go, man, I'm just burnt out. It's like, no, no, you're overlooking the fact that you're a workaholic. You work 60, 70, 80 hours a week. You're overlooking the fact that how many hours do you spend on Netflix? You're overlooking the fact that you're up till 2 a.m. playing PlayStation but now when you feel overwhelmed, it's like, this is the church's fault. It's like, no, this isn't, this isn't how it is. The biggest danger to Christianity is not burning out. It's rusting out. It's almost living, the, living and believing the lie that we can't get involved in what God's doing because it's gonna be detrimental to us. Jesus says, joy comes from getting involved. He was saying, and I'm asking you not to serve for them, Jesus was saying, I'm asking you to serve for you, that you might experience joy. One real quick story, because um, we're going to close in just a minute, but I'm giving this message today. And the truth is, I'm giving it with a smile on my face, right? And I'm breaking down the Scriptures so that we all understand it. And I'm giving you nice, easy to follow points. But if I'm really honest, th there is a part of me sometimes that feels like, oh, I just wish I could say it like this. Like, I just wish I could make this message not 35 minutes, but if I could just make it like three minutes, I could just say it like this. But because I'm a pastor and because I love you, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna smile and I'm gonna give you scriptures and I'm gonna basically leave it in your hands to go, well, it's kind of up to you what you choose. This is what we think is best, but it's kind of up to you. A couple of weeks ago, I'd got my coat on and I'd got my bag on and I'd walked downstairs from my office, which is just out back here. And I was literally about to leave the, ch the church to go home for the night, it's about six o'clock. And then I remembered that my youngest son, Solomon, who's 16, that he was also in church. Like he'd finished college and he'd come early because he wanted to like tune the drums. In fact, he's on the drums right now, isn't that awesome? So he was literally in church doing some drum tuning. So I'm about to leave and forget him and think, oh, I've got to go find him. So I walk up, right? And I literally, I walk onto this very platform and he's on the drums right there and he's just tuning things away. And he just says to me, he says, Daddy goes, I've tuned the drums, but do you think that you can do me a favour? Could you just hit them? Because I know what they sound like behind here, but I want to go and stand out in the auditorium to hear what they sound like in the room. 
So Solomon and Josh Scott, who's leading worship today, um, they both stood at the back of the auditorium and I went and sat on the drum kit because I'm not gonna knock back an invitation, okay? Like if, I, if I'm ever gonna get the call up, I want them to know I'm ready. I'm ready to serve on the drums today. And um, they were like, just hit the drums for us. So I was just like hitting it away and hitting it and I could see Josh and Sol at the back and they were kind of like almost not particularly happy with the with the drumming that I was doing for them. So I poked my head round and I said, is that okay? And Josh, because he's really polite and he was trying to be super eloquent, starts to basically say, you know, it might be helpful or do you think you could possibly, or hey, Luke, uh, is there a way that you could like just hit them a little bit harder for me? Because he knows like I'm his pastor, but I'm also his boss. So he doesn't wanna put his foot in it. So I'm like, hey, sure, no problem. So I go behind the drums and I start hitting the drums again. And I can still see Solomon's there, like arms crossed and he's shaking his head. So I'm like, what's the matter? So I put my head around the drum kit and I call out to them again and say like, am I doing this right? And Solomon, my son, he just goes, Dad, you melon, hit it harder. And I'm thinking... (laughs) because he's able to talk to me in a way that maybe Josh isn't, right? He's able to say it like how it really is. He's like, Dad, you're being a melon. Just hit the thing, will you? I'm like, okay, I'll go and hit the thing. So if I was to be able to say to you just for a moment right now, how would I really say this to you? It would be like this. Really, guys? Really? We say we follow Jesus but some of you don't even do the red text, really? Now, I'm not saying it like that because I'm a pastor and I'm gonna give you the four points and I'm gonna give you the scripture. But if I was gonna say it in a way that my son would say it to me, as part of the family, I'd say, really guys? You say you follow Jesus, but you haven't even made a decision to get baptised yet, really? You say that this is your your local church, but you don't, you don't give anything, you don't serve anywhere, you're not involved anywhere. I would just say, really guys, come on. Come on guys, let's, let's get you on the path. Let's move you forward on the path and let's see you grow in your spiritual journey this year. Really guys, come on, let's go. If you go, I go, we all go and we all make a difference in the world together. Church, let's stand to our feet. We're gonna pray real quick and then we're gonna worship some more. Let's just close our eyes and bow our heads for a moment. Heavenly Father, I pray for every single one of us that calls Liverpool One Church our home. Lord, and I just pray that right now that You would give us all the confidence and the courage to do whatever is necessary for us to move on to the next spiritual step. For some today, it's gonna be the courage to choose to get baptised next week. For others, it's gonna be to take the mask off with a friend and join a life group. For others, it's gonna be to serve in church and sign up today at info point at the end of service. God, I just pray that You'd give us the courage so that we wouldn't that we wouldn't build a church that plays church, but we'd build a church that represents You well to the world because we follow the red text. And we ask this in Your Name. But with every head still bowed and every eye still closed, if you're in church today and you know that you just don't know God, you don't gnosko God, 
nobody's looking at you right now because every head is bowed and every eye is closed. But if you're in church today and you're feeling like, I don't gnosko God in that real and authentic way, or maybe you used to, but you've walked well away from it, then I'm gonna tell you exactly how you get on the path if you're not on the path. And it starts by making a decision to pray to God right now and literally say, God, I believe that you're real and I believe that you gave your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. And now I wanna know you. Now I wanna be forgiven of my sins. So if you don't know God, or you've been walking away from Him and right now today, you're like, I wanna get on this path. I want to gnosko God then pray this prayer in your heart after me right now. Lord Jesus, I come to You right now because I want to know who You are. I want to gnosko You. I believe that You're real. And I believe that You've given Jesus, You gave Jesus as Your one and only Son. So if I believe in Him and His death on the cross and His resurrection, then I get to know You. So I believe in You. Forgive me of my sins and the stuff that I've done wrong. As from this point forth, I'm asking You to live in my life, live in my heart as I call myself a Christian. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.